This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. The question posed for CBAM's final Global Business Symposium of the current series was Wither Europe? In addition to airing their views about the implications of the ongoing financial turmoil, business leaders, academics and policymakers were called on to discuss the challenges of doing business in Europe against the backdrop of the Eurozone crisis. This symposium was especially significant for CBAM's director, Christos Pitellis, as he leaves the Cambridge Judge Business School after two decades. Dr. Pitellis said that years of discussion around the crisis had always focused on the macroeconomic or fiscal and monetary policies. Although important, it was insufficient. Countries that have been successful to the extent of avoiding the crisis have placed more emphasis or at least as much stress on the production side of their economies, their base industrial policies, the role of business in creating and capturing wealth, and sometimes the roles of the third sectors, NGOs. Basically, he says, practitioners and people who do things on the ground. Despite some apparently divergent opinions, there has been a convergence in basically the idea that the supply side, the production side, entrepreneurship and doing things on the ground is very, very important to create and capture wealth. And creating and capturing wealth is hugely important, especially these days. Give me some examples of of countries, sectors, where, where that is actually evident. Well, uh, in the past many years, we are all talking now about the BRICS. I mean, we have been privileged in this place to start talking about the emergence of these countries, India, China, Russia, uh, well before even the term emerged. But uh, all of these countries have used uh, solid macroeconomic uh, policy, combined, however, with uh, a more proactive attitude towards supporting business. Uh, There are many divergent opinions on how you do this, but there seems to be a convergence into the idea that you have to build, to co-build, to co-create the commons. You have to co-create conditions that allow entrepreneurship and uh, uh, wealth creation to flourish. Uh, There may be divergent opinions as to what is the best way to do this. Uh, Everybody agrees today that this has nothing to do with the old type of uh, picking winners. Everybody agrees, or many people agree, that this has to do with co-creating the conditions that that allow winners to emerge. But in a way that the benefits from this uh, wealth creation are also staying and distributed fairly also within a country so that it ensures sustainability. The second major takeaway from the symposium was exactly that this is not always the case. Uh, Big business, in particular very successful business, have uh, used the crisis as an opportunity both for rationalization, reducing cost, increasing efficiency, but in addition to this for consolidation of the sector, that is fewer, more successful companies in more concentrated, consolidated sectors. This is very good for business. It has led to some business having huge resources, financial and non-financial resources, which, however, given because, given their mobility, their increased mobility, they can leverage to invest in uh, all over the world, thereby becoming even more successful. What came out of this event is that so many successful companies are using their funds and the, the results of this consolidation and rationalization to invest in the emerging world. This is all very good for business. Sometimes it's not so clear 
that some of this is coming back to the country of origin. So there is this divergence that needs to be addressed, and it becomes particularly uh, worrying in the context of a number of middle-class professionals finding their jobs becoming more commoditized and possible to even be outsourced. So in addition to having outsourced production, now we have outsourcing also of jobs. So there is this tension there, and this tension needs to be managed. So I come back to the issue you asked me before about what can be done, and what can be done and the lessons we learned from the BRICS and other emerging economies is basically that they are using a more proactive policy to marry the benefits that go to the country with the benefits that go to the business. The other thing, however, and which many of these countries have not developed sufficiently, and for a democratic, fair and inclusive society has to be seriously taken into account, is the role of the third sector, uh, NGOs, etc., in order to ensure some inclusiveness and sustainability. And one thing that we have done at the symposium is to invite uh, a representative of uh, the Onassis Foundation, the president of the Onassis Foundation, who actually was extremely good in explaining what even in a very heavily, in a very badly suffering country like Greece at the moment, uh, what is the great impact that an organization which has the unique characteristics that it is a successful business and at the same time a successful philanthropic organization, what immense contribution they have managed to make in things like culture, health, uh, and recently revitalizing the whole center of Athens. These are extraordinary opportunities of what we call, these are extraordinary examples of what we call Uh, social entrepreneurship and this social entrepreneurship alongside private entrepreneurship and often alongside public entrepreneurship have to come together to co-create successful societies. Going back again to something that you referred to and it's about if you like the, the history of your symposia, your summit, you were talking about globalization crisis long before the globalization crisis emerged you were talking about the BRICS, as you said long before the acronym was invented yes yes uh, one thing we are very proud and i keep emphasizing this in my introductory talks to the symposia is basically because the whole idea of selecting topics had been delegated quote-unquote to the global advisory board that we have which are leading business people from leading companies like uh, WPP, Diageo, Morgan Stanley, KPMG. Uh, the academics do not select any topics. The topics are being selected by the business people because business people are on the ground. They have an incredible capability to actually identify the topics of the future. So we were extremely privileged. It's very fascinating in a sense to see that we talked about the, pos- the link between globalization and recession back in 2002. We talked about the BRICS in the, before the term was even invented. And uh, Im- impressively, I mean, Morgan Stanley, uh, our global advisory board, uh, Jonathan Garner from Morgan Stanley, actually fully predicted the financial crisis Uh, well more than a year before it happened by proposing the topic at one of our board meetings and then holding the event exactly basically on the week that the financial crisis fully manifested itself. These things cannot be done by academics because usually academics are following 
developments rather than being uh, able to to fully predict them. And this unique model has led to this extraordinary, I believe, uh, success record in terms of the topics. In some ways, the very last topic on uh, wither Europe was also a very fascinating one and everybody was very happy. And we saw these uh, two things that I mentioned, the importance of the production side uh, and also the emergent divergence between uh, success at the business level without necessarily success at the national level. 22 years ago, you were one of the first appointees of the, the Judge Institute of Management Studies, now Cambridge Judge Business School. Has it achieved what you thought it would at the outset? Well, as a matter of fact, I, I believe I was the first person to be appointed by the Judge Institute of Management Studies per se. Before me, there was a small group of people from uh, of colleagues from the engineering department that formed the management study group there. and uh, But I was, uh, I think I was the first person not to have an appointment with engineering and have it directly with uh, GIMS, what we, we used to call at the time. I have to say at the time that was a bit of a shock because engineering was uh, number one in the world and GIMS was a startup. Now this startup has made extraordinary uh, progress. I mean, uh, we are now at a, a top established school, one of the leading schools. In many respects, I think that the rankings underestimate the contribution and the vibrant, extraordinary and unique environment of Cambridge, which, in addition to the rankings per se, that is influenced by a number of factors like salaries, etc., uh, it doesn't take into account the unique environment of Cambridge University, the collegial system, the fact that we are in the midst of a cluster of uh, high-tech companies. It is a very unique, vibrant environment. It has been, in many ways, an extraordinary success. There are always more, uh, more things uh, to be done. And uh, one thing that, for example, is both an advantage and a bit of a challenge at Cambridge and places like Cambridge is to actually... Uh, convince people that a business school is a place with a, a unique ability to create and capture value that then can be shared among the university as a whole and thereby it may deserve special treatment. Now this is very difficult if you are in a place with people who have Nobel Prizes and who find it very difficult to appreciate why somebody who is not obviously any, anything like better with them should be treated differently. But these are part of the things that the downside of an overall very uh, positive result. Christos Patelis, thank you very much. This programme was produced by Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.